Welcome to the Front Porch Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. Welcome to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Pastor Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in. Today we're joined by Tim and Valerie Link. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Grayson. Doing great, Grayson. It's good to have you guys. Just start out telling us a little bit about where you're from and about how you grew up. Well, I'm local. I grew up in Harrisonburg. Um, Mom and Dad, I guess, lived here all their lives, and that's just the only place I've ever known. Mm-hmm. So I've been here, been a Valley person for all my life. Never found a reason to leave. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I've been, I grew up here as well. I grew up in the county up um, where we live now, Browning Branch. Grew up there, went to, uh, attended um, Audubon School and Montezuma Church of the Brethren. Grew up in that, mm-hmm. in that church. Although I had a grandma that uh, took us to the Nazarene Church over in Spring Creek when, really? we were, when we were little. Yep, she took us to Bible school and occasionally to Sunday school. Who was your grandma? Um, she was Ella Howdy Shell. Okay. Um, my dad's mom. Okay. And uh, she was, uh, she read Bible stories to us every day and we prayed every day at lunchtime. And so she, she was instrumental in my Nazarene upbringing. But we wow. also went to the Mennonite Bible school in okay. the community. Mm-hmm. And where we memorized Bible verses and books of the Bible and things mm-hmm. like that. So that um, was probably very instrumental in uh, getting me to where I am today. Absolutely. It's kind of grandma like that that invests time is, you can't see it at the time, but you look back and it helps you to understand um, the investment that she made. And I guess you would probably have, you're making a little investment now yourself, aren't you? I am, with Eliza, yes, Yes. indeed. I'm so blessed to have her and and can't wait to share her little Bible with her and her Bible stories and see her hopefully here in Sunday school, although it might be a different Sunday school. That's right. It's all exciting. Good times. Yeah, it is. How about you? Did you grow up going to church? I did. Uh, We grew up Baptist. Okay. Uh, Went to the Harrisburg Baptist Church. Uh, it was really the only church that I I knew growing mm-hmm. up, and then until we got married, and then sort of drifted away from church for yeah. for a season, uh, and then found our way back to Spring Creek Church of the Nazarene, okay. Pastor Tony. Very uh, good. Landed there, and that he was probably very that church and those people and Pastor Tony very instrumental in bringing, I think, bringing us back as a family and getting mm-hmm. us back where we should be. That's good. I've- I went there, too, for Did a you? point, for a small time. Um, Reverend Carpenter from there mm-hmm. actually married Steve and I. Oh. Yeah, so we, we go back, a, I go back with some Nazarene um, influence, too. Um, yeah, he was instrumental in my life. Yeah. Um, when I wasn't really looking for the Lord, um, God sent Reverend Carpenter into my life and married Steve and I. And I remember the night that he said... Uh, when he married us, he was sitting at the table signing the certificate and the marriage certificate. He said, you know, I've married a lot of people over the years that I've not really had a good feeling, but he's had such a good feeling about you two. <laughs> Weren't you glad to hear that? Yeah. Yes. So, yes, I am. Spring Creek has very, I have very fond um, memories and ties to Spring yes. Creek and to Tony and Pam, too. Very yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. So, you all... Um, had that foundation 
like so many of us, you know, we can sometimes go away from that a little bit, but you found your way back. Okay. Um, you know, the, the Lord, he pursues us, and I'm so grateful for that. Um, and so you ended up at Spring Creek, and did you all have siblings growing up? Yes, I have I have two sisters. Okay. Um, I have an older sister, Debbie, who still attends Montezuma, mm -hmm. and I have a younger sister, Joyce. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, we all grew up in the same household, and sometimes it looks like, you know, we didn't. But, yeah, it was, uh, yeah. Right. Very good. Yeah. How about you? I had an older sister. Okay. Uh, she's a year and a half older than I am. She's still in the area. She lives in Orange, mm -hmm. married and living in Orange. Yeah. And then you all have two children. Mm -hmm. We do. Jared. Yeah. Everybody knows Jared. Yeah. And we have a daughter, Carissa. Yeah. Who lives in the area as well. And um, we have great kids. Um, we have a great relationship with our adult children, yeah. which is the greatest blessing mm -hmm. of all. We have a good time together. Always good when we get together. And yeah. uh, we just, we love our, we love our adult kids. Yeah. They're, they're good. They're and blessing. Ashley, our daughter-in-law, we could not have asked for a better daughter-in-law than what the Lord brought us in her. Yeah. She, um, she's really special and of course Eliza now and we're just, we're just so blessed as yes. a family and yes. just, um, God has been good to us. Yeah. Yes, he has. So we talked about that you guys are both from the area and a little bit about how you grew up in your family. Is there anything maybe teenage years or young adult years in the area of serving or missions, any opportunities or experiences that you guys have uh, maybe in your early days that you would like to share about? Well, we really didn't. I, I didn't. I kind of took a career path right out as soon as we got married and jumped into the electrical field and then was in business for myself within just a matter of a couple years and mm -hmm. grew that uh, to a to a point where I was able to walk away or step begin to step away. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, that kind of unfortunately took a lot of my time and uh, didn't have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. For sure. thankful to have it now. Yes. Yeah, I really didn't have the opportunity either, although I felt like I had a heart for missions, but I felt like I didn't have a pathway to go. Uh -huh. And um, a couple years into Spring Creek, um, they offered, they had books. Um, their missions mm -hmm. um, people had books mm -hmm. that we could read. So I always read all of the books, and I remember one in particular um, the wife um, wanted to go to a country somewhere, and I don't remember the details, but she wanted to go. She wanted to go serve as a missionary, but her husband did not. Mm -hmm. He was not ready to go. And her throughout the book, she said that the Lord told her that when it was right, both of their hearts would be prepared, mm -hmm. and it would be right for both. And through the course of our years, you know, both of us working, both of us had a career, and we were very involved in that, I still felt like at some point in my life, I wanted to go serve somewhere mm -hmm. doing something. And when I heard that Florence was coming ashore, mm -hmm. um, I picked up the phone, I called Tim, I said, this is it. Mm -hmm. we, we can do this. I think we should try to go. And um, he said, oh, I don't know, because he was working at the time. Oh, I don't know. Good. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. I'm going to have to process that. And he hung up the phone. Well, he called me a couple hours later, and he said, Yes, you know, we can do this. We're going. Mm -hmm. And I knew at that point that the Lord had prepared both of our hearts, mm -hmm. and this was it. Yeah. And uh, we were hooked. You know, Vicki Waldrop told us, she said, oh, if you go one time, you're going to be hooked on, yes. on disaster response. Mm -hmm. And we were hooked. Yes. And still are. 
So I remember having conversations with you all. I was out of town and couldn't really help get things together. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember um, finding out that you all were interested in going for that initial disaster relief um, to Ocracoke. Yeah. And uh, there was, tell us a little bit about that. I mean, you all were just kind of pulling things together and disaster relief, when you do disaster relief, it is, it is nothing that you can plan for when you're going in the immediate response to a storm. There's no weeks of planning. It's just you got to get ready. So talk a little bit about how well, was that? It was great. I guess it started uh, when we went to uh, Beaufort with the Nazarene Disaster Response Team. Mm -hmm. It was our first trip after mm -hmm. uh, Florence hit. Okay. And then uh, when it, we knew that uh, Porter Graves Church was hosting people and we'd be staying there, so mm -hmm. there was ties there. Parker's Islands right there. We were down, we were in the down east area working. So we just we just decided that with the ties of our church to that community, we, we just felt like we had to go. Mm -hmm. um, so we decided to, to take part in that and it was great. Met up with Stephen, Stephen Willis and uh, the group from Lynchburg and they just took us under their wing and it was a mm. fabulous trip. Uh, we were able to help a lot of people. And that sort of was the first piece of, of that. And then when Okoko came, it was it was just no thinking. It's just, well, we're going. Yeah. And we just had to wait for the pieces. And, and with our connections through Lynchburg, mm -hmm. uh, we were able to just partner with those guys and mm -hmm. show up. And we all met in a swan quarter. And it's just pretty much the same team that was involved with, you know, with mm -hmm. a few people less or, and more uh, mm -hmm. that was in uh, Beaufort year. I guess a year before. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how we got in it. But it was, I think we both knew that we were going uh, when it happened. It was just waiting for the pieces to fall into place. Yeah. And I think Okra Cook too, because the, the men have gone there for right. 25 years, mm -hmm. right? And we felt like we wanted to get back to Okra Cook to the people there because they've mm -hmm. been good to us, to our church, to the men for so many years, and we wanted to do something yeah. for them. So. When the opportunity presented itself, there, it was a no-brainer. I mean, we were we were in, mm -hmm. we were in, and then God went to work, put it together, and it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, you went to Beaufort, and then you went to Ocracoke in the immediate aftermath. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Walking into Ocracoke. Now you had been there many times. Had you been there I before? Had not been there. Okay. No. no. What was that like? Showing up. It was heartbreaking. Just. I don't care. It could have been anywhere, anywhere, and it would have been heartbreaking mm -hmm. to... And I don't think anybody can fully understand when you say they lost everything, what that means. But when we drove up the street and you saw along the street everything, the houses were empty, everything was along the side of the street so you could hardly pass through. Mm -hmm. Children's toys, clothes, uh, furniture. furniture, everything everything they owned was sitting out on the street mm. and it was heartbreaking and you know it just made us that more determined to to dig in and help and do something and I guess when the house we were working in and I can't remember the lady's name you, you may be able to Tim Doreen Doreen, Doreen. Um, her and her mom sit there on the porch um, as we carried their life out of their house and mm. piled it up in their yard and you know they cry and they like to tell their stories you know, and we take time to listen to their story and cry with them and it's just um, 
and it's just something that's hard to hard to describe, but mm. heartbreaking. But then we're you're uplifted by their spirit, and that they're not going to give up. You know, mm. that's their home. And we ran into that this last trip. It's my home. I'm I'm, I'm staying. I'm not mm. I'm not leaving. And it was like, really, you know. But it is, and it's their home, and they're not going anywhere. But and this most recent trip, then the spirit, um, they're so optimistic and looking forward. You know, in spite of when you drive there now, still, uh, there's still uh, trash along the roads and debris that mm-hmm. has been gathered up because, you know, they're an island. But, you know, when you when you talk with them, it's like, you know, we're we're moving forward. We're, we've got this. The food pantry is going back to where it's supposed to be. And, you know, all the positive things where I would have, I would like to think I would be that way, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure I would. I would like to go back to Doreen for just a moment. Mm-hmm. What was it like like she's standing there watching? Mm-hmm. What was what was her her emotions in that I mean I can't imagine the brokenness, but I also feel like there may have been strength there. What was that like as she and her daughter, right? Mm-hmm. Doreen was the daughter. Uh, she was the daughter. daughter. Yeah, so it was her mom and dad's place that mm-hmm. we came to. You know, again, it's that they were in shock. I mean, this was just like 10 days after it hit mm-hmm. or a week after it hit. So they were still very much in shock, but so appreciative. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much need and so much feeling of where is my help going to come from? And then we showed up. So they were very grateful mm-hmm. for us to be yeah. there. It was hard. It was really hard. I'm sure it was. But the fact that the need was so great, mm-hmm. you know, it just it just helped us um, do what we had to do. Yeah. Well, and just to hear that there was a heart of gratitude in the midst of that brokenness, that they've lost everything. Yes. And yet they had a heart of gratitude. They did. They did. They did. And what it means when we show up, right? When we show up for people... There's, you can't put a price tag on that. Exactly, exactly. And that happened, uh, again, in, a, in another house that we worked in, um, Butch's house, uh, once we finished with Doreen. Um, and that was an interesting story, too. Um, Butch lives there. His daughter came in after the hurricane, Vanessa. And um, she had gone through all of the red tape she had done. She had stood in the line. She had talked to the people. She had filled out the forms. And her dad was not getting any help. Mm. at all and she heard that Stephen Willis was on the island <laughs> and she came looking for him I and you know, and throughout yeah. different places we were I would see this young lady riding this bike up and down the street well it was her she was looking she was looking for Stephen so anyway she ran in she found him she mm-hmm. found him and told him what was going on he said we'll be there be so we went wow we went and she was so, the hopeless look on her face. The morning when we went over to her dad's house, she came walking up the street, and I'll never forget it. She ha- was hopeless. She had no hope. Um, she didn't know what her dad was going to do, didn't know how they were going to get the mess cleaned up, and just hopeless. When we left a couple of days later, she was just beyond hope. I mean, she now was looking forward, her and her dad. And it was just so heartwarming to us to know that we had been a part of bringing them hope. And mm-hmm. she actually then went with us 
and work with our team the rest of the week at other places. So it was just, it was just um, one of the reasons I'd go back and do it again tomorrow. I mean, just Mm -hmm. to turn such hopelessness into hope and Mm -hmm. able to look forward. Yeah. That area, you know, they're used to hurricanes and storms, but this is the worst. I was actually told, I think, um, a local resident told Dad that there was a 92-year-old resident on Ocracoke who said this is the worst flooding on Ocracoke and the worst storm that she's ever experienced in her 92 years of living on the island. And I believe there's a, the Village Craftsman is a store on the island that, like has a marker of the water level and this was like I believe like two feet I, I could be wrong but it was significantly higher than the next highest amount of water total so I can't imagine being there in the immediate aftermath of such a devastating storm and such a destructive storm there with the people and uh, you know I know from the years that I've been there and having some uh distant relatives that were from there just sometimes it's the people there they're really good people they're really nice people but sometimes they're kind of to themselves but this type of thing has really brought them and allowed them to see Christ through a difficult situation through your guys group and uh, my uncle Stephen who you said you guys partnered with so any other experiences that you other encounters like the one that you had with Doreen that really um, had an impact on either one of you. Well, Doreen's story, I think your dad did her uh, marriage photography. Right. So as soon as Stephen showed up and the names started exchanging, of course, they put two and two together. So Patrick Harry had done their wedding. Mm. Um, and we didn't know this conversation had taken place. We were at another house working, but Stephen had engaged in just, you know, what do you need? You know, what can we do to help? And, um, at that time, the FEMA had never shown up on the island, evidently because it didn't affect enough uh, a quantity of people, even though it affected mm. 80% of the people there. It didn't have the numbers uh, for them to show up. But Samaritan's Purse was there. Uh, Operation Blessings was there. There were Mennonite groups there, Methodist groups there. And then, then we kind of showed up as just a small group to just sort of come in and fill in the cracks, but yet Stephen had the, the local connections. And when he was talking to Doreen before we had started, and she was sharing that with him, that you know, she noticed that there was really no government help, no nobody there helping, but she said, it's all faith-based organizations mm-hmm. here that are helping on the island. And said, you know, they all appear to love Jesus. And, you know, just yeah. to hear those kinds of stories afterwards and... and uh, you know, you don't really see it in the middle, but, you know, there's just so much of that goes on. You know, you just show up and do what yeah. you do and hope that they see the hope that you're bringing and that yeah. you're somewhat being the hands and feet of Jesus in that situation. So that was a great story, and then it, we were able to reconnect with Butch mm-hmm. uh, when we went back here a couple of weeks ago, and they're putting drywall up and getting his house, and he's he looks great. He's in great spirits. He's anxious to get back in his house. But, you know, just to yeah. to see the first time we've ever gone back on a rebuild and, and sort of follow up with, with a disaster response. It was pretty it was pretty special to go back to all the places we had been. And, yeah, and you all reconnect. were in, no pun intended, but you all walked through some deep water with Butch. Mm-hmm. You know, we like, did. and that, when you have those connections in the hard times, um, there's a bond 
you know, um, I've heard the stories, you know, because I know it, it really impacted your life. Um, we know it impacted his, but it impacted your life too. And to know that God would use you in such a way. And it's not always easy to say, you know, the timing has to be right. We can, in our our day, it's so easy to have so many things that keep us from doing those things. And you all, you know, you've just kind of entered into it in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And you've been really faithful to it. Um, you've seen the you've seen the results of showing up. So you went to the first right afterwards where you went and you did to clean up and you helped pull the stuff out. Um, you went back and connected with some of those folks and uh, their houses are coming together. Um, tell us a little bit about the week that you went back to rebuild. What did you all, what was your week mainly? What did it consist of? Well, we, we were mainly, uh, we were thinking we were going to go down and work in houses. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just what the need was. Um, we were working through the United Methodist uh, Disaster Response Team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're in charge of the, all the reconstruction on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, you just sort of show up. We had talked with their construction superintendent on the island, so we had some feel for what we needed to take. Valerie had been working with their food pantry, and we were able to take down... Oh, a pallet of food mm-hmm. that uh, we were able to get donations and, and take down. So we, it was kind of twofold. We were able to go help that situation and take that down the first mm-hmm. day we got there. And then we connected with the, with the Methodist group. And we, ultimately, we ended up uh, working in a Masonic temple the first day mm-hmm. uh, that they, are con- they have leased for several years, and they are converting it into dormitories for okay. volunteers to stay in um, while the rebuild process continues um, because the rental houses that they were using to house volunteers are going to go back into the rental pool mm-hmm. and for people coming visiting the island so there was quickly becoming a shortage of places to stay mm-hmm. so we were able to do that they needed decks built handicap ramp uh, built off of it with steps um, they had redone some lighting and we were doing some electric work in there and hanging doors and just whatever needed to be done mm-hmm. in, in, in that particular place. And then there's turns out there was a real need for electrical work on the island. So as soon as they found out that I was able to do that, then they asked if we would go wire the parsonage that it had been started mm-hmm. and it was kind of just sitting and, and they weren't able to move forward. So a couple of us went over and spent several days there just wiring the parsonage, getting it ready, so where they could, when we left, they would be ready to start hanging drywall. Mm-hmm. But they had already lifted it up, so and we kind of went thinking we we're going to help one or two people, and we just, we talked about it later. Uh, we were able to go in, and I think the impact that we made is going to be a little more far-reaching, mm-hmm. and that it's going to help a lot of people for a longer period of time, even yeah. though it wasn't exactly what we thought we were going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it was it was great. We did go the last day, and help an elderly grandmother that her house had been flooded and they had stripped it and then we were able to go in and at least insulate it and mm-hmm. get it ready for, for drywall. Yeah. So that was really... And I know that you all, um, Jennifer and Richie Testa have been real involved with this as well. Yes. Um, and, and you all have done some things, even when you were here, you were doing things, correct? Yes, yes. Um, we were, um, as I said, we were trying to collect food uh, the food pantry um, through the um, Ocracoke newspaper. Ocracoke Current. Current. Um, they were posting current 
needs and it was updated every week so I well we started back with Island Santa back before Christmas uh, we wanted to do something mm -hmm. so uh, we worked with Island Santa and were able to um, buy Christmas for parents to give to their children mm -hmm. which was huge and then Jennifer at the same time um, connected with um, adopt a family so our life group actually adopted a family mm -hmm. at Christmas for um, they had a specific list and mm -hmm. we just bought those things and took those down and then by way of Alan Santa I connected with Alicia Peel who um, oversees the food pantry okay. and in talking with her um, she gave me a list of specific needs for that particular period of time so I just went to work here with our food pantry mm -hmm. and just donations. So Jennifer went to work and collected fundraising, mm -hmm. and I went to work collecting items. And we made, we delivered a lot of food that day, and That's they were awesome. so tickled. They were so tickled. And Jennifer did a great job um, raising some funds for them. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, so not everybody, you know, somebody will say, well, I don't have, I don't have any skills. I can't do it. There's no reason mm -hmm. for me to go. Well, the mucking out the, the relief, mm -hmm. there's lots, anybody can do that. But yet on a rebuild, it does take skill. It mm -hmm. takes some skilled workers. But on the other hand, there were a couple of us there, me for one, who felt like I didn't have anything to contribute on the job site, but I cook. So I planned all of the meals. Mm -hmm. Well, that's important. So can't well, work with you don't eat, right? <laughs> that's right. And, and then somebody said later, it was nice not to have to worry about that. And then somebody else said, well, yeah, but I felt bad that you had to do it. I said, no, that's what I brought to the table. You know, mm -hmm. that's what I could do. So, you know, there's almost always something you can do. It may not be the greatest mm -hmm. thing, but it all comes together. Yeah. As a team, we come together. And one part is no more important than the right. other part. It's I was true. talking to someone not too long ago, and she was talking about being on a site and things weren't quite ready. This was um, with another organization. And she said, you know, I saw a broom. The floor needed to be swept. Yep. Mm -hmm. yes. So I picked it up and I swept it. She said there was always something we can find to do if we open our eyes in those situations. Always something. Yeah. And especially um, on the uh, first trip to Ocracoke and the relief um, aspect of it, just cleaning behind the guys who were, who were working, mm -hmm. uh, just picking up their trash or going and running and, and getting them something so they didn't have to climb down off the yeah. ladder. You know, little things like that anybody can do. Mm -hmm. So yeah. there is usually... I would say there's something you can do. Yeah. You, you and, and I would say there's something you can do whether it's here or there. Or there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know that you all involved other people in getting some of the things together we for did. Christmas yeah. and mm -hmm. the food. So it is amazing the difference we can make, you know, and because it ends up not being just one person, but it's a team of people that come together and... Mm -hmm. Well, Tim, uh, we mentioned at the beginning, uh, I think Valerie might have mentioned it, about how the men from our church have been going down to Ocracoke for the last 25 years mm -hmm. and kind of built a relationship with the people on the island. Um, so either of you, uh, anything else you want to share, you know, that you haven't shared already or what you hope to do maybe in the future? Okay. We were working with the, some of the locals there and, and some of the, the people to try to find some service projects that we can engage as many of the men that want to, to be able to help uh, with some sort of a give back, um, just show our appreciation and, and not make it about us, but just to get in there and make an impact. So we are still working diligently to, to figure out what that can look like. So that, that is something that's on the, 
horizon and also you know there's going to be opportunities for helping with rebuilds for probably a couple years there's still a lot of a lot of work to be done mm -hmm. uh, especially in the older parts of the island thank you all for all that you shared today and just kind of one last um, question what would you say to someone that's listening today and is beginning to have that little tug on their heart that this might be something that they too could do if they feel that that tug on their heart I would suggest they do it. Um, we welcome anybody. You know, I don't know if we'll go back. We would love to go back at some point. I was the first to be the first person to say, "Oh, there's there's no reason for me to go." Mm -hmm. um, but I know differently now. I know that yeah. I can do something. And to that person who's saying, "Well, I'd like to go, but I just don't know what I would do." Well, I think the Lord's pulling on their heart, and you know, mm -hmm. if that's the case, then they need to go because there is something. There's something yeah. for everybody. Yeah. You will come away blessed. Yes, it will change you. By the experience, and you yeah. will be changed. Yes, in a really good way. And like Vicki said, you'll be hooked. Like mm -hmm. You'll be hooked and want yeah. to go back. Well, Tim and Valerie, thank you for joining us today on Front Porch Talks and sharing with us. Uh, it's been a joy to have you both. In the devotions this morning, I, I usually follow the Bible app. And uh, as I got it up this morning, I was reading in God's Words translation, 1 Peter 4.10, and the verses, Each of you, as a good manager, must use the gift that God has given you to serve others. I thought that was very fitting for this. That was powerful. Powerful. That's so true. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Front Porch Talks. I pray that as Tim and Valerie Link shared that uh, today's program has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Front Porch Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates and the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX. Front Porch Talks is sponsored by Harrisonburg First Church of the Nazarene in partnership with Sunshine Ministries.